Welcome to Virtual Student Experiences, where we inspire students to aspire. For more information, please check out our website at www.virtualstudentexperiences.com. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Virtual Student Experiences Law Spotlight. If you're new to our program, Virtual Student Experiences, or VSC, is a pro bono initiative spearheaded for students by students. The goal of the VSC is to give students around the world an opportunity to hear from professionals in their career industry of interest in a friendly and casual setting. For students that know what they want to do, the role of the VSC is to encourage, allow, and to connect those students with professionals. Through VSC, students are allowed and given to the chance to decide if their career choice fits their personality, skills, and overall interests. For students who are ambivalent about their future, the role of the VSC is to give them the opportunity to not only explore but to discover different career paths and options. To find out more information and sign up to be notified about other webinars, you can visit our website at www.virtualstudentexperiences.com. And before we get started, I just want to go over a couple of housekeeping things, um, so hang on tight. Firstly, I'm going to be asking our guest professional that I'll introduce in a second, a series of base questions so that you can get a good idea of who he is and what he does. If at any time you have a question that you have, have or think of, feel free to post it in the Q&A module at the bottom, and we'll get to it in the later part of the webinar. Now, without further ado, I'd like to introduce our guest speaker. Um, just a reminder, today's webinar will be only 30 minutes. Um, Mr. Selbos began with education at Loyola High School, where he began working, on the working and learning on the fundamentals in which he began to later build on. He then earned his bachelor degree in public administration at the University of Southern California and graduated from the Loyola Law School with his Juris Doctor's degree. Since then, he's been amassing massive experiences for 30 years as the Deputy District Attorney in Los Angeles. So we're very lucky to have him today. Let's make most of our, out of our time. Thank you very much for joining us today. You bet, pleasure. Yeah, so just the first question, can you explain to us like what you do as a Deputy District Attorney and how that differs from the average attorney? Yeah, so uh, Deputy District Attorney, uh, more commonly referred to as a prosecutor, and the prosecutor does not have a single client. Rather, we represent a sovereignty. Uh, in my case, I represent the people of the state of California in all criminal matters of a felony nature and in some felony, and uh, some misdemeanors that occur within the jurisdiction of Los Angeles County. So I, I, I don't have an individual that I represent. I represent anyone that is within the boundary of uh, Los Angeles County and to a certain extent, the state of California. Hmm, cool, and then can you explain to us what you do, um, how, how the situation has changed during the coronavirus? <laughs> uh, it's changed quite a bit. Uh, uh, because of the COVID, we've, um, we've basically been forced to telework or most of us have been forced to telework because uh, of the risk of spreading the disease. Uh, the problem is we have constitutional protections for many of the defendants that we prosecute. And they have statutory rights that uh, require that their cases be heard within certain time frames. Hmm. So we still have to go to court. Uh, however, the courts are affected by COVID because of the risk of infection. And we have a number of our defendants who are currently in custody. And as you're well aware, the risk of infection of folks in custodial situations or other institutions is very high. 
So many of the folks that we are, we're dealing with on a regular basis are under quarantine and we can't even bring them out to court. So we've had to effectively continue cases during these four months period. Uh, and at this point, that period is supposed to end in a couple of weeks. And then we're going to have to start dealing with all these cases. So it's like we've been putting it's like putting all your homework over for four months. And now we're going to be forced to deal with all this homework uh, within the next couple of weeks. Hmm. Um, and then speaking of homework, uh, focusing on education, can you tell us a little bit how your education played a role into your successes as an attorney today? And really, what advice would you give to an aspiring attorney? Yeah, okay. So I, there's, um, you know, you have to have a four-year degree uh, and then your law degree. There's no, there's no one degree that you need for success as a lawyer. Um, you know, in law school, you're going to do a, a lot of reading, a lot of writing, but it's also analyzing. So people come in with different majors. Mine was public policy. Uh, other people come in with, uh, you know, mathematics or engineering. Actually, any any degree that you have that allows you to, um, assuming you're going to become a prosecutor, prosecutor, to articulate and to uh, perform, um, is going to help you. But you really have to do learn to read and write, and you have to learn how to analyze the legal issues. Hmm, interesting. And then um, more in your job as a district attorney, you've been practicing for. 30 years and how has your job changed and how have you improved and how have you really changed to different situations and really adapted? Well, I mean, I, I think the job changes the way society changes. So when I first started out 30 years ago, uh, our country was um, quite on the opposite end of the spectrum that we are now. We were a tough on crime mentality. So we had three strikes. We were at that phase having I think a record number of uh, gang homicides uh, in LA County. So um, our caseload was rather heavy and it was filled with a lot of violent crime. And that, that kind of stirred our mentality is, well, we just got to lock everyone up and you know, uh, effectively throw away the key. But as time has gone on and society has changes and our values have um, morphed, uh, we are now in this opposite spectrum where it's more about, well, let's see how we can rehabilitate these individuals. Are there alternatives to incarceration? Because if you send someone to jail or prison, uh, they're not going to get better. Uh, they're just, in fact, they're going to come out worse. So instead of spending all that money and all the resources sending people to prison, let's figure out the different alternatives to sending them to prison for conduct that they engage in. And that's where we're at now. And we've had to adapt to that. Um, you know, it, it's, you're adapting to societal's norms and values and a good prosecutor will do that. It will, you have to keep an open mind that there's a lot of things that we did that I did 30 years ago that I would never do now. Um, and that just comes from learning, you know, the, the tough on crime approach doesn't always work. It's very expensive. And, um, you know, there's a lot of people that we sent to prison back then that had we given them a chance, uh, perhaps they would have come out as um, better citizens instead of coming out as criminals. Hmm. Um, yeah. And then as a lecturer at USC Gould School of Law and UC Irvine, 
Um, what role do you feel you have to play as a teacher and really as a mentor? Well, I, I, I think what helps in my case when I do lecture is uh, I bring a practical experience to the classroom. It's not purely academic. I mean, we will we use a book and in, in law school, um, we use a case book method. So what you're doing is you're reading cases, um, typically U.S. Supreme Court cases that kind of help you guide your understanding of the law. But what I tell students, I said, okay, let's, let's talk about these cases and the law, but I kind of bring in the practical aspects of it and say, okay, this is, this is what the book says, but let me tell you how it really works in the, in the real world. Hmm. And I think, uh, I think students want that perspective. Hmm. Yeah, I think, yeah, most definitely. And then how has really mentorship played a role in your career? You know, I, I, I mentor uh, not only law students, I mentor uh, undergrads, and I also mentor high school students, uh, really just to kind of give them the push that they need mm -hmm. uh, and the encouragement to seek out whatever their passion is about. You know, find something that you really enjoy doing. And it, it doesn't have to be law school, it's whatever it is. If you want to be an artist, if you want to be an actor, you know, whatever it is, whatever your dream is, whatever your passion is, pursue it, be, be 100% committed to it, you know, follow through. You're gonna have failures. You cannot have success without failing. You know, you just gotta assume that you're gonna fail along the way, but you learn from those failures and you'll be a better person. And you'll, at, the, at some point, you're gonna reach success, but don't give up, don't get frustrated. Yeah, um, and then, what sort of values have you held during your time as the DA? And over time, have those values changed? Uh, no, I'm okay. My values are, you know, as a prosecutor, my job is to represent the citizens, the sovereignty, the, the, the state of California. But basically, in a nutshell, it's to seek the truth. And that means that my job is not really to send people to jail or prison, it's to find out what happened in a particular incident and whatever the truth is. And if that means that in my investigation or my handling of a case, I find that someone who was arrested by the police did not actually commit the crime, my job is to go into court and dismiss the case. Uh, so the bottom line is to seek the truth, to do the right thing. And that sounds easy enough, um, but to bring in the real world aspect, it's not as always easy as it sounds. You're going to have um, outside influences. You're going to have pressure. There's going to be things that occur in the real world that are going to cause you to perhaps not follow through on your values and follow through on what you think is the right thing to do. Mm -hmm. And it's not easy to um, always stick with that but you have to stick with it. You have to stick with your values. You know, people are going to try to convince you not to do a certain thing, not to do what is right, but you have to just kind of dig your heels and say, you know what? I know what I'm doing is the right thing and I'm going to continue to do that. Now, does that mean you're not going to suffer any repercussions? No, you know, you may, but at least you can continue to hold your head high and know that you did the right thing. And I, and I think I've kept that throughout my career. Have I suffered repercussions for doing the right thing? Absolutely. Uh, but I've always survived. I've always made it through. Hmm. That's good. Thank you for that. Um, 
and, and in terms of success, how would, how would you define success and really have you achieved it yet? Uh, no, you know, you know, when I teach, I tell my students very clearly, I said, my job is not only to teach you from my experience and how I, how the practice of law uh, occurs, but my job is also to learn from you because even though I've been doing this 30 years, I don't have all the answers. I am learning every day, every week. If there is a week that goes by that I don't learn something, then I've done something wrong. Mm -hmm. There's no profession that I know that you are 100% where you know everything. If you, if you think you know everything, then it's time to leave that job and do something else. So you have to take the, the approach that you are constantly going to be learning, you know, no matter how long you've been doing something. And I think as long as you keep that mindset that you don't have all the answers and that there's other people, including students who may have a better um, view or better uh, answer or response, then you need to take that and learn from that and adapt to that. Um, I, I think that's probably, you know, success is gonna be defined on your personal values. You know, some people define success as uh, making lots of money, but I can tell you, there's a lot of rich people who are not happy. Um, I don't think money defines success. I think it's more personal. Do you think you've done the best job that you can? Have you made somebody's life a little bit better? Have you done the right thing? And it's not, you don't go through this job trying to make everyone happy because you can't make everyone happy. When you send someone to prison, when I send someone to prison, I know there's somebody that's not gonna be happy. You know, not, not only the defendant, but the defendant's family, the defendant's attorney. But as long as I know I'm doing the right thing, then that's something that, that I can carry forward. Hmm. And then on the job, what sort of skills do you use or say, maybe what are the top three skills that you use on the job? Well, I, you gotta listen. You have to listen. Um, I think too many times people spend, uh, spend every waking day talking too much and you just have to stop, don't talk and just listen to people and learn and then adapt. I mean, I, I think if you can encompass it in three things, it's listen, learn and adapt. Uh, those I think are the key to success for anything is, is, understand that from my experience um there are things i can teach but there are things that i can still learn and that i can change about myself and how i handle something um but i think you also want to go through this is you want to you want to go through life uh treating people the way you'd like to be treated and as long as you do that uh i think that's probably one of the the hallmarks of uh, what a good prosecutor is what a good lawyer is and I, just, I think just what a good person is awesome and then um i mean it's looking a little bit towards the future but if you had to pick a candidate um to fulfill your da position when you retire what attributes and skills and characteristics would this would you look for in a 
potential DA candidate? Well, I think common sense uh, trumps um, intelligence almost every day. Um, I mean, I, I've, I've met people who've gone on to Harvard, graduated from Harvard, uh, you know, all these other good schools, but they just don't have a lick of common sense. And frankly, if you don't have common sense, you, you're not really good to anyone. Uh, I don't care how smart you are, unless you get locked in a room and, you know, you do whatever you have to do in that room. But if you have to deal with people on an everyday basis, you've got to have some common sense. Um, you know, just be aware of how you behave and what you say and how that affects other people. And that's going to go a long way. Um, and I think the other thing is you just have to have a good heart. You know, you just have to be kind to people. Um, I, I think having an open mind um, takes you so far in life. You know, don't be so close-minded about things. Uh, you know, look at, um, look at things as, uh, again, as a learning experience. You know, if you have the opportunity to travel uh, to other parts of the country, yeah, the cultures may be different, the religion may be different, the food's definitely different, uh, but ultimately everyone wants the same thing. They just want to be happy. Uh, and if you understand that, uh, that, that even though we have these differences in cultures and religions and foods and whatnot, we're all the same. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, yeah, thanks for asking our questions. Um, right now we're going to take questions from the audience. So um, if okay. you, any of the attendees have any questions, feel free to ask them in the Q&A module. We have six so far, so we'll go through those. First of which is, um, really, what courses would you recommend for aspiring lawyers to take? Um, so I majored in public policy in English. Uh, English is uh, important because you have to end up doing a lot of writing, and you're going to do a lot of reading in law school. Uh, art history, anything that's analytical um, would be great. Math, if you're great at math, you know, that's a, that's a good, um, good subject to master in. And depending on what type of lawyer you want to be. I mean, if you want to be, because uh, there's all different types. If you want to be a litigator, you want to be in the courtroom, uh, taking some drama classes, you know, would certainly help. Because when you're in the courtroom, when you're doing a trial, you're in effect putting on a show for the jurors. Now, how that's going to work out in this pandemic era, I have no idea. I mean, because I, I personally, I can't fathom doing a jury trial now while wearing a mask. Uh, I just, I don't know how that's going to work, but um, let's assume that we get a vaccine and we're allowed to then return to some sense of normalcy where we don't have to wear a mask everywhere we go. Um, I, I think the ability to perform in front of a jury is important, you know, to, our, to articulate a story of, uh, of a case that you're prosecuting. Hmm. Um, and then... Where do you see law progressing to? Or how do you see law changing in the next 15 to 20 years? Uh, you know, I, I think uh, the, our current movement right now with Black Lives Matter, civil rights is gonna have a huge uh, factor in how the law develops. One of the problems that we have though is that uh, 
a lot of our laws defined by judges. And, uh, you know, our, our current president has appointed 300 federal judges, which um, doesn't seem like it's going to have a significant factor, but it will. Um, because these judges are ultimately going to decide uh, how to interpret a statute, how to interpret a particular constitutional provision, how to interpret a particular uh, governmental action. And that's going to flow. That's going to have um, an impact on how we go about our daily lives. Um, and then how that affects immigration, civil rights, you know, we're not gonna, we're not gonna see that until the next couple of years, you know, when these judges are uh, situated. So it, it's, it's still kind of wide open, I think. And then, I know we talked about skills a little bit before, but really what skills would you use to adapt to the times and current events? How would you develop those skills? Uh, well, I mean, I, you know, my boss right now is facing re-election, and she's the target of uh, Black Lives Matter because for years and years she would not really sit down and talk to them and listen to them. And I think to be an effective uh, leader, especially if you're an elected official, and especially if you're in law enforcement, is you have to listen to the community. You have to get off your, you know, your soapbox, get out of your office, come down to the streets and just listen to people. You don't have to talk to them, just listen to them. Listen to, you know, their, their grievances, listen to their concerns and, and, and let them know that someone really is paying attention to what they're, what they're going through. Uh, that, that's one of the biggest things. And uh, some people can do that. Uh, others, unfortunately, like my boss, can't. And it, and it has impacted her ability to uh, fully represent the citizens here in LA County. Awesome, thanks. Um, and then would you recommend taking a break during between um, undergrad and law school to gain job experience? I, I, you know, I would, I didn't do that. Uh, I went straight from undergrad straight into law school, uh, largely because I, I was afraid that if I took a break, I would never go back. Uh, so I, I, I did, I went directly to law school more out of fear than anything else. Uh, but I do think it's important to get some uh, real world life experience. Uh, you know, assuming you're just not clowning around, but doing something pragmatic, something that you're gonna learn, something that you can take uh, to law school you know, and kind of maybe just learn more, not only about yourself, learn about other people, but what you really want to do as a lawyer, because there's so many different fields you can get into law. Mm -hmm. And there's a lot of people that go into law school and they really don't know what they want to do, uh, which I think is unfortunate. I think when you go into law school, you should have a pretty good idea of what you want to do as a lawyer, what field you want to practice. And if you don't know what that is before you go to law school, then take the time off and learn more about yourself and your likes and your dislikes and your interests before you jump into law school. Hmm. Um, and then would you have any tips as to figure out what type of law you're interested in? Uh, you know, I, I, th I think it really just comes down to interest. I mean, I, I got into criminal law largely because I had a, you know, a number of relatives that were police officers. So I was interested in criminal law. I was interested in uh, 
the criminal aspect of law. Um, so I was one of these weird kids that kind of knew early on that I wanted to be a prosecutor and, um, but that was me. Uh, you know, I, I realize I'm kind of the odd person uh, in that. I, I think it's just a matter, you know, as, a, as an individual, what you like and what you don't like, what you, what you find enjoyable, what you find interesting. And just out of that, you can glean, you know, okay, so based upon my interest, based on what I like, and it's also what you do well. I mean, there's, you have to find something not only that you're going to do well in, but that you enjoy. I mean, there's a lot of things I, that I enjoy, but I, I know that I just don't have the ability to do it. You know, I would love to play professional football, but that wasn't going to happen. <laughs> um, but you got to find something that you enjoy and that you can do well. And then that'll kind of, you know, just kind of follow your path into that uh, type of law. And then can you walk us through what a typical day looks like for you? Okay, a typical day before the pandemic, because it really isn't a typical day now, is that, uh, you know, we, we go to the office, we, um, we check our calendar, and, you know, we pick up our court files for that day, we go to court, uh, and uh, generally, because of the specialized unit I'm in, I'm in I work organized crime and hate crimes. Uh, so my cases are scattered throughout the building, and in some cases throughout the county. So not only do I have to have the cases I, in my building, but then I may have to drive out to another courthouse. Uh, and it's just depending on what the matter is set for, whether it's uh, an arraignment, which is someone who's just been uh, freshly charged and arrested, to a pretrial, to a preliminary hearing, to a trial. Uh, it's just going to court, representing the state, meeting with the judge, meeting with the defense attorney, and deciding how we're going to resolve the case. You know, can we somehow reach a plea bargain? Um, or is this a case that's going to have to go to trial? And 90% of the cases that we deal with are going to be resolved by way of a plea bargain or, or what we call a disposition out of court. Hmm. Interesting. Um, and then what do you wish you had known about your position or really field before you had started? Something I wish I had known. Uh, Boy, trying to take me back 30 years and what I, what do I know now that I didn't know then? Um, you, you know, there's, <laughs> there's a lot of paperwork, okay? <laughs> uh, I mean, this, this job doesn't have the amount of paperwork to say if you go in the corporate structure, but when you work for government, uh, there are, there are just requirements that you have to follow and you know these boxes that you have to check off that you did this this and that i mean if you want to order uh, a box of staples or a box of pins you got to fill out a form you know uh but that's just you know it's just something you, you learn you adapt it, it becomes part of the process um and like i said it, yeah it's just something you you learn to to deal with um I, I, I think the, the other thing that um, I didn't realize that exists back then that I do now is that politics still plays a role in what we do as prosecutors. You know, our policies, the cases that we prosecute, um, such as a death penalty. You know, my, my, my boss, the DA Jackie Lacey, 
believes in enforcing the death penalty. That is not the case for every DA here in uh, the state of California. Uh, in fact, you have a number of DAs in the state of California that will not enforce the death penalty. So, and that's a political stance. Mm -hmm. uh, so politics does play a role in what we do as prosecutors. It shouldn't, but it does. And then would you recommend getting an internship over the summer since, I mean, I'm sure a lot of us have a lot of extra time. And then would you have any tips as to how to acquire one? Uh, yeah, there's, um, you know, with governmental offices, because they have to do background checks, to try to do an internship this summer would probably be impossible uh, just because of the, the application is a bit extensive. But let's say next semester or next summer, uh, if any of your folks are interested, then you would probably want to apply in early spring mm -hmm. um, through the office. Uh, we do have student workers. We have high school students that will work with us. Uh, in fact, I've had uh, a number of high school students that I use their, uh, their computer skills to help me in drawing up exhibits, uh, going through discovery. Um, I have a student right now that is going through all the uh, body-worn video. You know, these officers have to wear these cameras on their chest. Mm -hmm. Well, you know, you may have 12 officers arrive at a scene, they're all wearing cameras. Well, someone has to watch all those videos, okay? I don't have the time to watch every single video. So what I will do is if I have a student, I will have them watch the video and point out the important parts that I need to pay more attention to. Uh, and and maybe even do a transcript on some important part of the, uh, on the video. But, you know, preparing exhibits, books, and then accompany us to court and seeing what happens in court. Oh, sounds cool. Um, we're right at our marks, so right about now we'll close it up. I mean, if there's, I think, can we take one more question? Sure, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, a lot of people our age want to bring change to the injustices we see today, and we have tried that by applying pressure to elected officials. But in the future, how should we continue to act in order to bring change to the systems we believe are wrong? Well, I mean, I think I think what's going on, the protests uh, are clearly is having an effect on elected officials. Uh, but you, and this has to continue. All right, I I'm probably one of these few people that actually do think that these protests, the the civil unrest, is having and will have a positive effect on what we do as prosecutors. I think you need to keep the pressure on elected officials. Um, but the best way to affect change within our government is to become a part of government, okay? Because there's really only so much you can do from the outside. If you really wanna change the system, you actually have to become a part of the system because by becoming a part of the system, you really see how it works. Um, I mean, there's a lot of things going on right now where they're talking about defunding the police. Well, you, you know, as far as I, as much as I'd like the, um, the protest, you can't defund the police. We can't get rid of police altogether. We do need the police. They, 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 we just need them to do better. But it would help if we reallocate some of the resources, some of the money we spend on police to do other things. So rather than have police go to incidents involving the mentally ill or the homeless, Let's send social workers or mental health workers. Let them deal with those issues. 
That's not how the police deal with it because frankly, the police aren't equipped. They're not trained to deal with those issues. So let's, it takes someone understanding how the system works, who is in the system to really affect those changes and to stick to their guns. Hmm. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for taking the time out of your day to uh, chat with us. We really appreciate it. I'm sure the students that viewed it today really appreciate it as well. We understand that you're very busy. And so once again, we very much appreciate your time. Um, you everyone else, if you uh, have any interest in viewing any of our other webinars, you can visit our website at www.virtualstudentexperiences.com. Um, thank you so much for joining us today. Um, All right. Have a good day. Good luck, everyone. Have a good day.